Hey, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll check in with Michael Wilbon to see how his latest NFL mock draft looks, and we'll preview the national championship game with Pat Forty. But first, huh, commerce. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a clear, like, one team needs to win, has everything in the set of, the other team doesn't. And I think there's a little bit of value here. There's obviously more value at five and a half. The line should probably be Tennessee only favored by about two points, but I'll take Tennessee plus the three and a half. So. We can give you four because Carville's line was four. Oh, yeah, Carville's got a few <laughs> interesting ones. I'll take whatever Carville gets. Okay, that's four. Go ahead. What I else? I actually want to find Carville's sports book and just send it to that. <laughs> <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Jeff Ma won on that game with four. He didn't need four. Tennessee beat Jacksonville outright. Yeah, yeah, they did. Carville won on that game, but didn't win on many others. The Monkey won. The Monkey was 3-0. and How about that, Reginald? Um, Chuck Todd got killed. He's like 2-5. and five. Didn't he win his happiness hedge, though, with the Bears and the, uh, and the Packers? Like no, he, he took... He wanted the Green Bay to win. He right. took Chicago. So, so yeah. he lost the game. Lost the game, but he wins in his heart. Yes. Uh, Jeff still has one game to go. He picked Michigan over Washington. Carville was two and three. The Monkey was three and zero. Oh, had a great week. Chuck was two and five over. And they just not. They didn't do well. Uh, Jeff. Jeff will win. Jeff. No, he's two and two. So Jeff could have a losing week as well. That's the most important game yesterday in terms of the playoffs. Jacksonville losing. Jacksonville, by losing, um, allowed Houston to win that terrible AFC South division. Although Houston, Houston is the most surprising team of the year. And I would say that C.J. Stroud is, even though Paco Nakua yeah. had a great year as a receiver from the Rams, I believe that C.J. Stroud will win Rookie of the Year for his work as quarterback of the Houston Texans. And I think coach of the year will come down to either D'Amico Ryans from Houston as such a surprise or Kevin Stefanski from Cleveland on his fourth quarterback makes the playoffs on his fourth quarterback. So remarkable. Yeah. I mean, those two are going to, I assume, get just about all the votes for coach of the year. But going back to the Jacksonville thing, Jacksonville allowed a whole bunch. Jacksonville was the domino that allowed things to happen. They allowed Houston to win the AFC South. They allowed Pittsburgh to get into the playoffs after Pittsburgh, to no one's real surprise, beat Baltimore in the rain. Well, Chuck Todd's surprised since he had Baltimore because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he said Baltimore you know, wins every exhibition game and would win this. It was terrible rain. And they didn't have Lamar Jackson. And Pittsburgh made the playoffs. And then, and then they, that took away, <coughs> excuse me, that took away all of the drama of the night game. Yeah. Because the inherent drama had Jacksonville won, the inherent drama would be Buffalo then needed to win the game at Miami to even make the playoffs. They would be a two seed because they would win their division, but they needed to win. And then once Jacksonville lost, that was off the board. And so the game was the game itself, except for Buffalo, I guess, was even for Buffalo, was very anticlimactic. And I didn't stick around to watch too much of that game. I had stuck around long enough to see the Buffalo quarterback, Josh Allen, throw a couple of picks. He, he's, he's got to have led the league in interceptions. But he didn't stay late enough to see the uh, when he dropped the ball? Did not. Okay. Did not. I mean, I just, you know, I didn't. Did, was there drama? 
It felt like there was about to be drama, and then it just never really, you know, materialized. But that sort of was like every every game yesterday felt like it could have been something more, but then something across the dial happened that made it a moot point. And we are back. Yeah, we stopped for about a minute because I started coughing. I drank some water, and it went down the wrong pipe, and I don't know how good I'm going to be. I was saying that Josh Allen... Michael, you were saying there was a lot of games that looked to have drama, but they didn't really have yeah, drama. Yeah, and if you're watching the Red Zone, uh, Scott Hansen was working oh, overtime. I hope he was getting some incentives for day. some the final the final day of the regular season performance. Million-dollar bonus clause. Uh, he was in trying to tell you form. what's he, happening. He, he had the um, Scotto box at one point. With, it was an eight. It wasn't an octo, but he was the guy in the last box. And then box. they put the last box they put in was the production room. They put the control room in, which is fantastic yeah, for, for those who've never it's, seen a working like yeah. studio. It didn't, it, it, it didn't, the day, the day didn't measure up because Jacksonville lost early, I felt. Yeah, it took all the, the air out of the blue. Right, and then you were looking at the NFC South and what was happening with that. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen does not lead the league in interceptions. Who does? Second. Would you care to take a guess? Just, just tell me. Uh, Sam Howell. Really? Yes, with 21. Uh, oh, a burst late for yeah. Sam Howell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Allen with 18 in second. He's then. not going to be the qu- returning quarterback. Who? The incumbent How- quarterback. Howell? He's not. No, oh, he's not. No, no. They're no. going to look. Arthur Smith was already fired. You cannot attack that. He had three straight years of seven and 10. I mean, you just can't. He was justified. He was very angry at the end of that game. Walked off the field cursing. Should have been. And should have been. What is that other? What is New Orleans doing scoring then? What exactly is Jameis Winston Well, we wanted to give him a touchdown. Yeah. No, that's... You don't do that. No, that was terrible You don't do that, but he's out. Um, I assume that Ron Rivera will be out. There's no reason to to keep him. Well, I saw... But Belichick looms over all of it. Yeah. You know, is he out? Is he in? What is he going to do? If that was the end... Finally losing to the Jets after, what, 15 wins in a row at home in the snow, you know, the small crowd and only mustering, what, three points yeah, in that? Yeah, such a low-scoring game. The yeah. embrace <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was odd. Yeah. The embrace yeah, with what's Aaron the, Rodgers. What's the word? Yeah, what is... Belichick back to the Jets? What is that? <laughs> what is that? Um, I took notes yesterday. Like Caroline, these are my notes. Caroline is simply terrible. They're non-competitive. They get zero points at home. Um, that the owner stinks. Bryce Young isn't any good. 18 passing attempts, 94 yards passing. Hmm. And then I wrote, New England is simply terrible, but at least they have some snow as an excuse. They have no offense. Good defense, though. I looked this up. Carolina and New England have scored the fewest amount of points in the entire NFL. They average under, a shade under, like 13, 8, 5, or something like that a game. So you round it up to 14. That's terrible. New England got three, but again, it was snow. Carolina got nothing at home. That, let, this owner <clears throat> made the worst trade in history. He got the number one pick. He picked the wrong guy. Yep. C.J. Stroud, we now see, is the right guy. Appears to be. He picked the wrong guy and got rid of D.J. Moore. Yeah. Who's a really good receiver. Chicago. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> and if he didn't make that trade, if the GM did, you got to fire the GM. Absolutely. It, it's just awful. Um, what else? Atlanta, terribly disappointing. And it's because they don't have a quarterback. Dan Campbell played the whole game to win, kept his starters in. I think they like him. Pittsburgh finishes with a win. Tomlin is really good. Um, even though Baltimore sat Lamar. Tomlin went to the third quarterback. Yeah. Mason. Kenny Pickett got hurt. 
Trubisky wasn't any good. No. He brought in Mason Rudolph, who hadn't started a game in two years. And I think Mason Rudolph went 3-0. and Yeah, I think they did win those I, I last three. I think he won all the games. Um, and, then, and then I talked about Jacksonville. And this is, this is the larger question. I'll ask Wilbon about this, too. Trevor Lawrence looked like a, a great foundational quarterback when he came out of Clemson. He was the easy overall number one pick with good reason. He had been a great quarterback at a really good program. And now in his third or fourth year, I think you have to wonder, is he that guy? On the last drive of the game, he overthrew what was going to be a touchdown. You saw that, Michael. He overthrew what was going to be a touchdown. And then the last two passes... He threw to his left-hand side and overthrew twice. They were uncatchable balls. I, you know, I know he's been hurt. I guess you have to give him another year, but I, I think he's now in that category of, is he as good as we think he is? Is he that good? The same thing is going to be said about Justin Fields, who runs very well and occasionally throws very well, but takes sack after sack after sack. You know, you can't. Do that, that at some point, the quarterback is responsible when he's on the ground. Yeah. Like, it's not just the rush. Well, it's a tale of two halves. You look at the way they started the season. I think they got off to, what, eight and three? Yeah, they lost five of their last six games. They stink yeah. at the moment. Would you keep Fields? I mean, you've got the number one <clears throat> pick. No. I would take the number one guy because I then get four more years of no money. Well, that's a good point. You know, I'm getting no money so I can build the rest of my team around him. I would trade Fields, and I'd get something. Yeah, you would get value. Fields can quarterback in the league. I'd trade Fields, get something, and take the number one guy. That's what I would do. But the largest question here in all of the NFL is what happened to the Eagles? <laughs> the Giants killed them. Yeah. What happened to the Eagles? I thought Jalen Hurts, by through week 12, I said this on PTI, I, I thought he was the MVP. I thought he was one, Purdy was two, and maybe Prescott was three. Now, Lamar Jackson made a great run. They, they finished, I think they won eight of their last nine until the last game. So, Lamar Jackson is the unanimous MVP. But what happened to the Eagles? Well, you look at you the, went to school in Philadelphia. You, you look at the us. way that the, the Ravens responded to having that difficult stretch of the schedule, which made them better and sort of amplified what you saw with Lamar Jackson throughout the entire season. And the, the Eagles... They had that three or four game stretch at the end of November into early December. And Tough that games. just sort of crippled them. Tough games. And they don't seem to have recovered at all. No. They didn't win the division. Dallas won the division. Um, you see A.J. Brown go down with a yeah. bad, with, you know. And that looks bad. That looked bad. That looked Did, bad. Yeah, it was a bad play. Jalen Hurts middle finger. Yeah. It's just, was bent the wrong yeah. way. Ugh. Bent backwards. Then he went back into play. It just. It's, it's popping the, back. It's, I mean, the wheels just fell off that. Because you're right. A few weeks, maybe a month, five, six weeks ago, you're like, oh. These guys are cruising. You but that's, could, the, that's the value of the wild card game, which is they come out to a very quiet Monday night game after what, oh, what I described as that, that crescendo of Bay. Sunday. So, yeah, if you yeah. put up some good numbers there. <laughs> they play Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's terrible. Well, not terrible, but they're not very good. Yeah. They I, just beat Carolina. I mean, you know, Carolina is awful. Yeah. They just barely beat Carolina. I'm so happy for Baker Mayfield, though. Me too. It's a nice Me too, but I don't him. think they're going to win. I don't think, but, but the Eagles may be total toast now. I don't, you know, you can look this up. I believe I'm right on this, that it's very rare for the team that loses the Super Bowl 
to get back to the Super Bowl the next year. It's very rare. It may be rare for the team that loses the Super Bowl to even make the playoffs the next year. Like you saw that with the Los Angeles Rams last year. Right, the extra wild card changes that a little bit going forward. Did not make the playoffs. But the Eagles looked like they were going to get back to the Super Bowl. It looked for a long time like a rematch. Yes, it did. Until Kansas City stumbled, and they have stumbled Kansas City, but not like Philadelphia. Philadelphia's fallen down. I, I find it hard to believe. It's the same personnel. And they were winning, you know, through 9, 10, 11 weeks. They were a really good team. Uh, maybe maybe they don't like the coach. Maybe the coach. I don't know. It's very hard to figure out this kind of, you know, Jacksonville, you can say they're not a good team. Uh, or at least they Because they were not. Team. Right. <clears throat> they were not a team that advanced in the playoffs to any large degree. I think last year, weren't they in the playoffs and then got crushed? Uh, yeah, I believe so. <clears throat> I'm going to cough my whole brains out. I'm worried about show. you. Yeah. Yeah. Was, well, that's something in, you know. You want me to read this, give you a chance to catch your breath? What is it? Uh, so one feature of the Super Bowl run-up, Jinx, is that the team that loses the Super Bowl will not advance as far as the conference championship game the following season, something only three of the last 27 teams doesn't have done. doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen, but the Eagles look like they would. All right, so we'll take a break. We'll ask Will about all these questions when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. We played one song on Friday by Edgewater Avenue. We like them. Yes, very much. So we have two more today. And this is called Asher. And you can listen to them in their entirety. Excuse me. I have a terrible cough now because I... It sticks the around. The water went down the yeah. wrong windpipe. It takes a while for the system wow. to reset. Yeah. This is called Asher. We'll play them again later in the show. This plays in Michael Wilbon. We're going to talk about football. We'll get to football. But I've got to start with this because this is the sport that you have expertise in more than the others because you're working at it all the time. It turns out it's going to be a 12-game suspension for Draymond Green. It doesn't matter that he's not playing because he hasn't practiced with the team. He's eligible to play after 12 games. Golly, Mike, that strikes me as light. How about you? It strikes me as weak. Yeah. It's a weak move. It's weak. Knowing all that we know about the situation, uh, and so much of it is just very public, very public, very nasty. Uh, it, it cries out for a, a, something other than a light touch, and that's all that Adam Silver seems willing to do with this. Um, and we know that the Warriors, are, it's not a situation where the Warriors are thinking there needs to be more because they've let Draymond do whatever he wants all along. That's right. And so it's, it's weak. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I know I could go on and on and on and on about what it is and why it is, but I just think that's what it is. And, um, you know, I don't know how much of this is driven by um, Adam Silver in, in, in any. Not just Adam, 
for those of uh, for those advising him, how much it has to do with perhaps wanting to see Golden State have this last shot at whatever, making the playoffs, being any good once they got in it, blah blah blah. Because without him, Tony, without Jamar Green, the Warriors have no shot. They have no shot of even getting to a position where they could contend. You know my position on this. It's a conspiracy theory that the Warriors and the Lakers are the two biggest draws on television in the United States for the NBA. It's it's demonstrated every single time they go out there. And he wants them in the playoffs. Yeah. He wants them in the playoffs. So he brought Draymond Green back early, especially now Chris Paul's out for however long. He broke his left hand. Four to six weeks. Yeah, so he Adam Silver wants to put on a show that the American public wants to see, and at the moment, the Warriors and the Lakers are it, right? To me. Tony, they lead it. Yeah. Because people, as you and I have discussed, you know, there's a, there's a whole new crop of great young players out there that the league really has to assist in this transition from specifically – LeBron and Steph Curry. That's right. To these new guys, to the Shea Gilgis Alexanders and the Anthony Edwards <laughs> of the world, the Halliburtons, and so you know, if you if you have playoffs, you have to stage playoffs, and you don't have LeBron and Steph. And by the way, Tony, he may not be able to. I mean, the commissioner, if he wanted to affect it, and of course, nobody's going to say that out loud. They may not be able to get them in there anyway. The Lakers That's were right. lucky to beat the Clippers last night. Otherwise, there'd have been another loss in the books. And Golden State got trounced at home. Yes, they did. And Curry had a terrible shooting night. And so, 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 I don't know that there's any assistance that's going to ultimately right. have those <clears throat> two people that are the two most prominent, most successful players in the NBA now. I don't know that anything <laughs> is going to get them there and keep them there. For more than a play-in or first round. I, I, I don't know that, but I don't disagree with you in your theory. All right, we'll move on. We'll move on to the NFL. The, the two biggest stories. The biggest story yesterday was Jacksonville losing. Jacksonville continues to lose. And I know how much you like Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, and so did I. But you, I think you have to now wonder, is he the right guy? And that's not even the biggest story. The biggest story is what happened to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. What happened to them? They fell and they can't get up. How do we figure that? I mean, they're, when, they, when you watched that game yesterday, and I was, I wasn't watching highlights. I was watching that game. Because right. you go, okay, let's see what the Eagles have. And they have no, I mean, God. I mean, you talk about a paper champ. They, they, but you know, Tony, it's, it's interesting. They got this draw. They may have gotten lucky. Well, they got Tampa Bay who they're they got, They got yeah. Tampa. And it's like, okay. Can they pull themselves together during this week? And would one performance advancing to the next round help them? Maybe. But yeah, when you look at it, there and the Giants are just tattooing terrible. them at twenty for nothing. You're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, that was just terrible. And what is your, what's your sense of Jacksonville and and Trevor Lawrence? I I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. He's not. I, I thought he wasn't ready a few weeks ago when Jacksonville started their de- their, their decline, their their downslide. I thought, okay, the team is not ready, and we think that their coach is a a good coach. And you know, I have questions about head coaching in the NFL. I'm not going to necessarily question a guy who 
has gotten <laughs> Jacksonville to this point and yeah. is coming off his last job was included a Super Bowl. So, and Doug Peterson, but, man, uh, you wonder if there's something else there or if it's just performance. Did they just come up short or is there something else going on? It's very weird. I, I mean, they lost five out of six. I mean, they, they they lost five out of six, yeah. In a terrible division. I mean, this is an awful division, so I don't know. I am also surprised, and you probably are too, I am surprised by Green Bay. I am surprised by Jordan Love. Jordan Love started out this year, two, first two or three games, he didn't look like anything. He's good. He's the second yeah. most touchdown passes in the league this year. They, it looks like they got that right getting him. Are you surprised by Green Bay as I am? Uh, I don't know if you're surprised, but uh, I'm impressed with them. I, I, you know, Jordan Love at times, Tony, I, I, I think you'll agree with this. He looks like he's gone to Favre Rogers School. Yes, yes. He physically does things that are like them. Physical movements. Physical movements, their routes that they run, their things that Jordan Love does as if he has gone to school, the school of Favre and Rogers, which, of course, he has. And so they're, they're in the playoffs. I don't know if they can make any noise. I, I don't know. They're in the playoffs, and of course, you know, I, I both, as you know, I've said it many times, I hate and admire them. Yeah. Hate them as a rival to, to my franchise, but, but admire the fact that they can retool and get back at this. And Jordan Love now looks like he could be a worthy successor I to them. totally agree with that, and that gets us, of course, to Justin Fields, who can run and can throw takes far too many sacks, yep. makes some bad decisions. I would, me, I would trade him because I'm going to get a number one pick for him. I would trade him and draft a quarterback first if I were Chicago. I know you are reluctant to do that. There's no more film you're going to see this year on this kid. Nope. And someone's nope. got to make that decision, whether it's yeah. this coach or the next coach. Where are you Not on it now? Coach. This coach ain't making that decision. The, the, the president of the team, Kevin Warren, right, and the owner will make that decision. I'm not even sure. And the GM. But the coach ain't making it. The coach, the coach we don't even know if he's going to be there. Right. In Chicago, Matt Eberflus. But... Yeah, Tony. I'm not look. If I'm taking if I'm taking a quarterback, then I'm not trading the pick. If I'm moving on from Justin Fields, then I got to move on from Justin Fields with the pick. Right. Then I got to. You know, I need to draft Caleb Williams. Right. That there's no trading and getting Caleb Williams. You're going to draft Caleb Williams, and you still have your own pick, which is I think eighth for the Bears, eighth or ninth. And so. No, you, which one is it? If you're going to trade the pick, you're going to keep Justin Fields. Then you come away with a with two or three more picks, and you use those picks to fortify your team. That's right. Uh, a receiver to go with the great DJ Moore, uh, a tackle, at least one offensive lineman, maybe two. But and I, you look, I I want to see this done with Justin Fields. I think it can be done successfully with Justin Fields. It, it, it would require probably getting a different coach. I know that's on the board, possibly as well. But it's, it's, it's tough decisions. The good thing is, Tony, you're getting tough decisions with the number one and eight picks. That's right. And, and a year in which you've got quarterbacks and receivers, man, you got them. And this is a league now. If you're drafted in the NBA, you better come up with offensive players who can hopefully play two ways, but but 
but you want a great wing player. If you're in the NFL, you've got to have a great quarterback. So, man, I'm torn. Because, I, I, you know, I, I, I love Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams would presumably be the next Bears quarterback if they move on from Justin Fields. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I, there's no guarantee he's going to be great, especially, Tony, for a franchise which has had zero great quarterbacks in my lifetime. None. Zero. No, I understand so it. I understand. One really good quarterback for a few years, Jim McMahon. Nothing beyond him. No, understand the dilemma. There are yeah. some lovely games that are coming up. Green Bay, Dallas, Rams, Lions, Kansas City, Miami. We have time to talk to them, about them down the road. Who do you like tonight? This is the college, this is the championship game, and it's, of course, yeah. utterly overshadowed by, by the NFL. But today, the ESPN will devote you know, every second to it. So who do you like? Um, I, I can't separate I, I, I can't separate it that way. I, 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 I can't believe I'm sort of doing this really hard. I'm rooting for Michigan. Yeah. Um, well, they're both Big Ten teams now, you know. I mean, Washington's moving into the Big Ten, so they're both Big Ten teams. Yeah, yeah, no, but, there's but they're no not real. There's right. no affection for, for Washington. Right. Um, but about as much as there is for Maryland and Rutgers. Um, but... I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for Michigan. I hope that Michigan wins. I think Michigan is marginally better than Washington. Marginally. Washington's defense is suspect. I'm just, I, I'm just, let me just say that. That's right. Washington's defense, they can pull a USC on you. Yeah. They can put, they can put Penix in a situation where he has to score 40, and he's not going to score 40 on Michigan. But his defense can put him in that, in that predicament. So that's all. That's the only sort of nerdy matchup. Ness, I'm going to get into it, but I, I, so I'm rooting for them. Interested to see how this plays out. You know, the the career and the case for Michael Penix continues to play out. Speaking of, now, while I say I have no particular affection or familiarity with Washington, I do with Penix because he started his career in Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. So yeah, so he does have Big Ten ties that I'm familiar with, uh, aware of. Used to watch him. Have seen him in person probably twice, but. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm rooting for, for, for Michigan. I hope it turns out that way. But I'm not in some crusade that it's going to ruin my life if Michigan can't beat Washington in this last year of what we now know as the Pac-12. It's all gone. Some, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Really if you are yeah. of a certain age, it is unbelievable that there's no Pacific Coast Conference. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, the, the whole college football landscape, Tony, it's just damaged it's flawed this transfer portal thing is like a gimmick and i and i am not against the the players having a chance to move i'm not against that i'm just against the way it's played out the severity of it if you will it's like college football is a clown show right now i it it is it really is and yeah. going to 12 teams is not it's the just solution. gonna be a bigger clown show all year <laughs> it's next not year. the solution all right i'll talk to you later thank you mike. all right Tom. mike wilbon boys and girls we'll take a break pat 40 will join us from houston i assume uh with a very specified preview of the college championship game i am tony kornheiser you're listening to the tony kornheiser show Once again, we're playing the music of Edgewater Avenue. They're a Wilmington, Delaware band. We played them the other day, and we're playing them today. This is called Love Song. Michael, if 
people like Edgewater Avenue want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. Pat Forty joins us now, and Pat got both games right. Um, I didn't. Pat got them both right. He had the two unbeaten teams, Michigan and Washington, advancing over Alabama and Texas. You can crow if you want. Are you, are you at all surprised that you got them both right? Uh, I mean, both of them came down to like a single play. Right. So it, was, right. <laughs> it wasn't, they didn't make it by clear mandate. But um, no, no, I'm not. And, you know, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take uh, Washington here uh, in the final. But uh, I think this one's coming down to the end, too. That was as good a seven hours of football broadcasting as anybody has ever had. Because they did. They were, you know, one went into overtime and the other one went to the last play. That was really good. I, I sort of wondered, I guess, you took, you did not take the two teams, one an actual SEC team and one transferring into the SEC. You did not take them. Um, did you see that conference, the SEC, or, I mean, did you see them as somehow flawed this year? Yeah. Um, you know, I thought that they didn't have a great season. If you go back to September and when most of the non-conference games were played, uh, the SEC's record was not good. Uh, there really were no big signature victories by anyone. Right. And I, 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 thought, I mean, I thought Georgia, you know, all along was a very good team. And ultimately, they, they probably were and are. But uh, outside of them, like, I, I didn't think this was a great Alabama team. And they found a way to beat Georgia. So that trumped. That trumped the Bulldogs there, but otherwise, no. I didn't think. I did not think it was a great year for the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I could go back over this forever and ever, but I mean, I just thought that the last call, the last play that Alabama ran, had no chance. Even if the snap is good, he's going straight into the line against eight guys. What are you doing, right? I mean, that's yeah. what I thought. What are you doing? So yeah, no. I, against against Michigan and that defense, that's the the last thing I would have done was go straight into them because that's that's what they want. That's what they want you to yeah. do, and they will stop it and turn it around. And that could be a, a key part of the game uh, against Washington. Penix looked really good, and every time you watch Penix all year, Penix looked really good. We've talked about this. He can deliver a pass from like 25 different arm angles. <laughs> it always gets there quick. It always seems accurate. I don't know if he's big enough to be an NFL quarterback, but, boy, he, he's been good. Which leads me to ask you about, has he ever played, the Pac-12, has he ever played against a defense as good as Michigan's? And is McCarthy, he seems to be competent, um, but does he have that extra gear where you say he can win a game? Yeah, those are both good questions. Um, And I don't think Washington's probably played against defense as good. So that's going to be a challenge. The one thing, like I mean, Michigan's defense can do about everything, and again, coverage uh, in the passing game is is certainly among their their strengths. But I don't know whether you know they have the the defensive backs to shut down everyone. Yeah, and that's the thing with Washington; they've got three, maybe even four, elite receivers, and I think they could maybe take advantage there. But uh, this will be the, by far definitely. I think this will be the biggest challenge that Penix has had and that Washington's had. Um, and on the you know the the other side, I, I mean, I they they're going to have to 
really bow up in interior side uh, and defensively to stop the Michigan running game. Um, you know that and like I thought Texas Tony could have run the ball more, and like. With Michigan, you're never going to say they should have run the ball more. They're going to run it run until it. you stop it. That's yeah. right. And, and so that's where I think they're going to put some stress on the Washington defense. And I really wouldn't be surprised. It, whoever like wins the coin toss, if you take the ball first and try to, get, try to establish yourself, get on top, and establish the way you want to play. Because I think Michigan may want to be just you know slow, grinding, few possessions and Washington do what they did last week and what they did against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, get, get, on, get on top early and make the other team play your way. Yeah, it feels like defense against offense, and it feels like there's a number out there somewhere in the 20s where if you go over that number, Washington wins, and if you go under that number, Michigan wins, right? It has that feel, doesn't it? It does. I agree. Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if, if, if we're talking – mid to high 20s even in the 30s then yeah that could be good for Washington and but yes if it's a a game where each team has like seven possessions or whatever then that's definitely I think going to skew to to Michigan's favor where you know they're holding the ball for five six seven minutes at a time so uh whichever defenses can get off the field um, and then give their offenses a chance to, to play they want to play, I think that's that's going to be a key component. Yeah. Everybody knows who Harbaugh is, and most of us are sick of him. But I don't think anybody <laughs> knows who the Washington coach is. What can you tell us about this guy? I, I mean, I'd never even heard his name till like, the fifth game this year. <laughs> Kalen DeBoer, unbel- his, his record is, is preposterous. Um, now, it goes back to NAIA football. He, right. was the, he was the head coach at Sioux Falls. He went 67-3. and three What? There. He, yeah. He won oh. three national championships. Uh, he won 56 of his last 57 games there. The one they lost was in a downpour and a quagmire right. uh, in the championship game. He is um, like the most even-keel guy you can imagine, and he's just figured out he and his staff, a lot of whom have been with him since the Sioux Falls days, like both coordinators he's known and worked with dating back to then, they've just figured it out. They know how to coach, they know how to scheme, and then they know how to relate to young people. And so, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, they're doing very well. And then, you know, he, he's it's remarkable. He's 49 years old, uh, and he just doesn't lose football games. And it does, I think, probably speak as a, a bit of an endorsement to if you can hire somebody who's been a head coach where in a situation where you haven't had the advantages, like Sioux Falls, there are no advantages, right? That's right. That's right. Um, that, that, you know what, if you can win then, you're probably pretty good. You can translate that all the way up the ladder. Are people, do you think, sufficiently sick of Harbaugh and would be happy if even if he wins or he loses – if they didn't have to deal with them anymore at Michigan? Oh, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those, be careful what you wish for. Like, yeah, know, we have a great staff. We'd like to start over with Sharon Moore or whatever, uh, you know. But we'll see if this is replicable going forward. But Jim Harbaugh wears everyone around yeah. him out yeah. all the time. And that, you know, that was the case at Stanford. That was the case with the 49ers. I think it's the case with Michigan as well. He's just 
he is a difficult personality to a degree. And, uh, you know, part of that is what makes him good, but it also makes him hard to work with. And, uh, no, it would not shock me, A, if he left, and B, if, if Michigan people said, okay, we'll see you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I mean, win or lose, I feel the same way that they would they'd want to get a break from him. He's, he's, it's hard work. There's always something. There's always something with him. Um, part of me thinks it would be charming if Washington won because it's the last season of the Pac-12, which gets me to this. I just find it unbelievable that there's no Pacific Coast Conference anymore. It's just, it's incredible to me from the Pac-8 to the Pac-10 to the Pac-12. They were the best football conference. They were the best basketball conference when UCLA was great. How can there be no conference? <laughs> right? I don't know. I mean, yes, no. That, that's kind of been that gradual realization all season. You know, first of all, you know, it was in August when it happened. And it's like a shock and an outrage. And then they start playing, and the league is really good. And, you're, yeah. you know, you're seeing, you know, USC play Washington and UCLA play Oregon. And, you know, all the things you're used to seeing. And you're thinking, is this really? This is the end of this? I mean, it's, it was preposterous. Uh, but then, you know, I mean, it's reality. It's happening. But it, it, it there is some irony and, and just catastrophically bad timing for the Pac-12 to have this incredible year in their last year you know i mean oregon really good utah good oregon state good usc good arizona good and it doesn't matter they're going away and to me it's it's profoundly wrong it's probably the worst thing that's happened in college athletics uh in my 30 years of covering it but you know that's where we are and this is where the stewardship of college athletics has led us it's a it's a an enterprise that has just been undercut by terrible leadership on, on multiple levels. It's just, I, I, don't, I don't think people understand how many championships were won by Pac-8, 10, 12 schools. Look at your daughter's school. How many Olympic sport championships Stanford has won over the years? How many baseball champ USC won baseball championships. It's just unbelievable that this thing is gone to me. It is. And you know what? I mean, look, Bill Walton said Conference of Champions and the league, you know, embraced it. And it was true. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like the, the three winningest uh, schools or maybe even four uh, in all sports, uh, you know, in terms of national championships, Stanford, UCLA, USC, Cal. I mean, it, like absolute machines. And yes, in the Olympic sports and yeah, to just kind of wipe that off the map, yeah. seemingly as cavalierly as as happened. I mean, it's just it's preposterous. It's bad. I mean, next year, you know, Stanford's going to play at Syracuse, and that's going to be a league game. It's I mean, it's, it's the dumbest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> it's but, ridiculous. But it, <laughs> it really is. It's totally ridiculous. Okay, plug your podcast. Uh, podcast, College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel, Ross Dellinger, Yahoo Sports. You can get it on all the platforms. Uh, you know, if you're going to listen to your uh, podcast, you should probably listen to ours, and then you'll be a better person. Yeah, it'll help <laughs> your character. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, Pat. Thank you. Pat Bye-bye. Forty, boys and girls, we will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's. 
Tony's mailbag. He got your emails, faxes, and your notes. He's gonna read some mail. That's really good. That's Tom Goddard. That's really good. That's really good. I really good. like that. Want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say I took my troubles down to Madam Ruth. You know that gypsy with the gold cap tooth. She's got a pad down on 34th and Vine selling little bottles of Love Potion Number 9. That was originally done, I believe, by the coasters and covered really well by the searchers. Yes. Really well. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Pat Forty. Thanks to our sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. And if you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. So I'm going to go through the mail here. This is from Dennis Royer from Independence, Missouri, which I believe is the hometown of Harry Truman, Independence, Missouri. I believe so. I work for a tiny family-owned business that's been washing rugs in Kansas City, Missouri since 1929, and I've learned a thing or two about moths. My question is this, is a moth larva a moth? The larvae are what moths leave behind to feast on a rug or possibly your royal blue sweater. By the way, nobody on your show mentioned a Kansas City Royals jersey when trying to describe the color of your sweater. East Coast bias. Love your show even though it stinks. Kansas City, it's not the powder blue uniforms that Kansas City sometimes wears on the road. No, yeah, but the dark the dark blue. The regular blue is indeed yes. Kansas City Royal, Royal Blue is indeed. Yes. From uh, Guy Degata in Nagoya, Japan. On a recent show, you read an email from Greg in Georgia who teased a previous emailer for saying it was not the moths, but their offspring eating your sweater. Greg asked, the offspring of a moth is still a moth, no? While that is technically true, Greg may not be aware that it's quite common to reserve the terms moth and butterfly for the fully grown adults and not the larvae. If Greg would like to learn more, I can recommend an excellent biology reference titled The Very Hungry Caterpillar. (laughs) By the way, Harry S. Truman, Independence, Missouri, along with Ginger Rogers. I believe I had that. Yeah, you did have that. From Sue Heidel, or Heidel, but Cincinnati, Ohio. And and she was the one who told us to get it, that this could be repaired. Yes, Sue was on that. I feel the need to clarify a misunderstanding by fellow listener and emailer Greg Owens. Greg responded to my cashmere sweater email about whether or not the offspring of a moth is still a moth. Well, I was deliberately elusive about the offspring of moths because the actual truth is too queasy to bear, but here we go. The moths will lay their eggs in your sweater. Yes, you heard me. These eggs hatch into larvae, and it is the larvae that seek out the animal protein for sustenance. The Mm. larvae, worms, are responsible for the holes in your sweater. You happy now, Greg? (laughs) I like that. like (laughs) anger on the part of Sue. More information for life, but I'm not sure it's information anybody really wanted to know. You'd be surprised. There's a lot of legs on this one. Yeah. From Elliot Olshansky, our friend in Comac. Long Island. I'm no biology expert, but I have to contradict Greg Owens about the offspring of the moths. After all, just as a caterpillar is different from a butterfly and a chimp is different from a monkey, moth larvae are not yet moths when they eat the fibers in your cashmere sweater. Best regards from uh, Suffolk County, where my favorite sweater, worn by Noah Emmerich on the Americans, remains, thankfully, (laughs) moth-free. From Bill Pitcher. In Quarryville, Pennsylvania, he's the organist. Oh, that's right. This yes, this is about pecans or pecans. Yeah, I don't know how he the elusive it. pronunciation. Up here in Lancaster, the Amish pronounce it pecan, as in pecan around the corner. Hmm. 
I never heard that. I had not heard that either. From Jared Gray in Lafayette, Louisiana. And Lafayette is, of course, the home of Ron Guidry. (laughs) The home of Ron Guidry, Lafayette, Louisiana, is pronounced uh, Lafayette. 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 L-A-U-G-H, emphasis on laugh, E-E-E-T. This is important since the Louisiana version of Lafitte boasts, he said boosts, but boasts the largest population of any Lafitte in the United States. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, From Dave Miller in Tampa, I need your help. After some post-sex nachos, I woke up with a hot pink hangover. (laughs) Any suggestions for a cure? More cowbell. (laughs) Always more cowbell. From Michael in Cromwell, Connecticut. Weren't you on record decades ago saying the worst song ever is Chuck Berry's My Dingling? Yes, I, I believe that, yeah, followed have, by Michelle. Yeah, you haven't wavered on no, that. No, that's how I believe. Speaking of decades ago, does the Lily Hammer jacket still work? Wore it this morning. <laughs> Works like <laughs> a dream. Still has the chiclets in the pocket. It does indeed. <laughs> 40 years old. Still going. Cameron McLaughlin, Hamilton. You got no moths in that thing. <laughs> right, none. Cameron McLaughlin, Hamilton, Ontario. On your show of January 5th, you read an email from Jordan Fobel or Foible of Hamilton, Ontario. He told Bob who to eat it. Because for the first time in five years of listeners, I heard from a little also from my hometown of Hamilton. I must have been hallucinating then when I heard you read an email that I wrote in the August 4th, 2023 mailbag about how there are no referees in curling, in which I addressed the same way as this email, Cameron McLaughlin from Hamilton, Ontario. I feel it's only fair to tell Jordan to eat it, but it's also nice to know there are multiple other littles in our city. All the best to you, Michael and Nigel, for 2024. From Bill Gammerdinger, Liberty Hill, Texas. Forget Indianapolis for the April 8th solar eclipse. The probability of clouds there is 68%. That's a pretty early forecast in January. That's the extended look, yes. Wow. Rather, you and the gang are invited to join my family on our front driveway, where we have about a 50% probability of clear skies to view three minutes, 43.6 seconds of totality through solar eyeglasses and solar-filtered telescopes. We are planning to welcome the beginning of the total eclipse with a robust lachiserie. Finally, I realized that Noah from NASA may have the inside track on this, but can I be the official solar eclipse observer for the Tony Corners issue? That's limited. I think yes. <laughs> sure. I think yes. And from Michael Murphy in Greenville, South Carolina. It's been a while since you've talked about Chessie eating anything unusual. Well, because she really hasn't lately. But apparently a golden doodle in Pennsylvania named Cecil ate $4,000 in cash. <laughs> wow. That was sitting on the kitchen counter. The owners waited for the dog to poop out or vomit up the cash, which they then had to disinfect. Next, the couple then attempted, this is a quote, to tape together the destroyed $50 and $100 bills bit by bit. They worked to locate the serial numbers on both sides of the bills to ensure the banks would accept and replace them with fresh notes. They were able to recover all but $450 of the money. Maybe getting cash from a stripper isn't so bad after all. Uh, Maggie did that. Yeah. Maggie pooped out money. And And you followed her for days. And we did. And we got the money and we did the same thing. Making sure that those bits with the entirety of the number on the bottom and the top, you know. All matched up. We had those, yeah. And we we got some money back. We went down to the Mint. The U.S. Mint in Washington. Yeah. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Can I raise a practical question at this point? No, we're not. We're going to do Stonehenge tomorrow. Now we're not going to do Stonehenge.
Nothing else. 